1: Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At MidwayUSA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com.
2: Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming at you right now in your face. Rick Flairin all the way. Woo! All right, that was a little loud, but. Sorry, guys, I used up all my magic
3: uh, intro. Specialties on the last one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to get right into this. We're going to get right into our partners. We're going to start off with Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. The best taxidermist around, highest quality, a best friend, and a taxidermist one. best thing about it is he is
3: a working-class guy just like we are. Mm -hmm. The guy's putting in hours at work, coming home, spending the time at night, getting these mounts knocked out.
2: Killing the detail. And screaming on the Richter scale. We just turned up the volume on the soundboard. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. I would say the bubbles aren't looking good, so
2: no. I cranked us up there. All right, we'll get right into ECW. We got, we got our new calls. We're going to be ripping those out. It's are going to be released right before turkey season. So you guys will get the first hand of how they do out in the field. Hopefully get some pictures to be able to. Put these calls to the test on some birds. We're stoked to have them as partners of this podcast. And we can't say enough about a veteran veteran known veteran-operated, American-made business.
3: Love that they're American-made. Just cannot say enough about these calls. I mean, we've, we've got four of them. We gave two of them away. And neither of the four of them sounded the same.
2: No, it is so cool that they all sound a little bit different.
3: Each one has its own sound, each one fits in your hand its own way. And I think that is that is cool.
2: Yeah, it's not some factory made thing that you're going to buy. Right. You know, and then plus the custom engraving like you get your kid's name or your company logo or a benefit you're doing. I mean, there's some I mean, we got our White Tail Legacy logo on a turkey call, but we just right. love turkey hunting, so we're just sending it. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, man, I
3: forgot what I was gonna say.
2: <laughs> well, let's get right into the veteran broadhead then. VIP, veteran, innovative products coming out of Texas, coming in hard with American-made, veteran-known, veteran-operated company again. Can't say enough about that broadhead. Uh, I put down two does, a turkey, and a buck with it last year. What'd you get? I should
3: have put down a buck with it, but I was stupid and did not. shoot um, that brought in. Yeah. Ghost was the last deer that I shot not VIP at. Then shot two does, VIP. Hell yeah. So just to give some detail on that, Ghost come in at 16 yards, same bow, same setup, not a pass-through. Doe switched to VIP, 23 yards, pass-through. And then secondary shot, nine yards, obviously a pass through, but it's just and the doe was a big doe, I mean she's not obviously as big as ghost body was, but still you should have got a pass through with ghost, I believe, and yeah. i and I've said that time and time again it's probably probably on eight episodes that I said you should have got a a pass through on ghost, and i don't I still don't know why to this day I had to be had to be that brought in. Yeah. We're gonna Jump. Be-
2: we're gonna get right into the VIP veteran broadhead. We wanna we wanna salute uh, Matt for partnering with us because he's the reason we get to call out veterans and thank them for their service. So we're gonna do Joe Beardsley here. Beardsley, sorry, he's a buddy of mine from way back in the day. Um, from July to November of two thousand nine, that's when he went to basic training, and he went in as the military police. Then he went to korea from 2009 to 2015 then he went to fort Leonard Wood, missouri and then he was deployed to Afghani- Af- afghanistan from 2011 to 2012 and he went back to fort Leonard Wood, and he is still present and do du- in active duty in and the army so thank you joe for all you do me and you've been buddies for a long time um your life is really picking up he's got a wife and kids now and He's a, he's a super cool dude and thank you for your service. We're gonna get right into this episode. What are you doing with man, the soundboard, man? You're just moving <laughs> stuff all over the place.
3: I, I was I was adjusting the wrong one there. I thought I thought I was on one and you were on two, but you are on one and I'm on two. <laughs> all right. Well
2: we, we had we got Bryant on and we can't say enough about this guy. Um we had a little bit of a technical difficulty where we lost we did a few minutes like 20 minutes of his episode um we uh we did his episode then we came back to do the intro and we wrote over it so uh he, he was nice enough to come back on and redo it again so i was saying you can't replace
3: a guy that's 12 hours away talking to you on the phone yeah you just can't like jump into it yeah
2: so we we can't say enough about this guy coming back on and giving us the time of day to not get pissed and and you know, the yeah, saying, and you hey, guys you know, have
3: no idea what they're doing. Yeah, you
2: know, I mean, hey, you know, technology fails, we make mistakes, and and we move on. We're just going to keep sending it. So we're going to get right into this episode, and we hope you guys enjoy. Bryant, he's hunting West Texas. It's super cool, kind of a different feel down there. It's going to be a lot of stuff about, um, you know, how they how they hunt deer down there, different than how we hunt down here in the Midwest. So. I don't know
3: how I don't know how long he's been filming but the film that he's been putting out
2: has been killer yeah his YouTube channel has been killer uh yeah. he's,
3: he's i don't I don't know but I'm just saying he's got some money invested in some film equipment because his his YouTube stuff is on point and I mean that's coming from me and I'm sure Cody will say the same thing I mean that's pretty respectable because he's trying to get out the best quality film that he can and and he's nailing it right on the head
2: yeah he's putting out and it's cool that he's kind of giving a different layout to the different episodes you know yeah
3: like the one he just put out a couple weeks ago yeah you know he's just telling about it you know he's deer hunting and then the pig comes in and he's telling you know hey telling the story along with the video yeah you know we have a pig problem we're not just out here shooting pigs just because like they are a legit problem and he explains that and that i thought that was cool and he is doing his film from a different standpoint.
2: Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to get right into this episode. Send it. All right, guys, we got Bryant Threadgill on the line. Like we were talking about, this guy is killer. We had some technical difficulties, and he was a nice enough guy to come back on and give this podcast a second shot. We learned a good lesson, and we're not going to do it again, but in in the studio we got Homie. Yeah. We got myself, and then we got Bryant
4: yeah, I'm just happy to be here again, man. No big deal. I'm pumped.
2: Yeah, we're going to get right into this. And uh, I know we kind of hit the same questions, but I think it's important to get these questions out um, so people can relate to your YouTube video and get your personality beyond just the, the video camera. So so why did you start in our nature?
4: So um, it all started really just wanting to, like we started filming just because we wanted to have the videos, you know, like we wanted to be able to look back and have them. And then um, as we started doing them, I was thinking, man, you know, I kind of want to start something. I don't know what it is, like a YouTube channel. I, I didn't really know. And, you know, it kind of evolved into just something that I could put out there and show people that. You know, kind of like y'all, like just the everyday normal guy that I go out there and I can, you know, I can get it done, that we can get it done. And then even like adding on to that, it evolved into like, you know, if at the end of the day, if I can put these videos out and maybe, maybe change some people's perspective and, you know, kind of get to the core of why, why we hunt, that maybe, you know, some people that think hunters are just the worst people ever will be like, well, maybe, you know. If, if they don't hunt, maybe they'll just think, well, you know, they're not that, they're actually a really good people, you know? And that's what, you know, people just don't, you know, they don't understand. And so that's kind of why I went with in our nature as the name, just because it's something that is a part of us. You know, it's, it's in our, I say it's in our DNA basically. And you know, if, if you want to look back, you know, our ancestors, they were hunters, you know, that's how they survived. So, I mean, it's a part of who we are and, I, you know, I think that's what it's evolved into, and you know, it's—I—I I don't really know where it's going to go from here. It's just going to kind of keep putting it out and see what happens.
2: Yeah, it's just like us. We just say keep sending it, man, because uh, you got—you got some followers here in Illinois that are really digging your stuff. You know, I mean, and I—I—I you know, I, I look forward to when you put a new video up. I'm like, man, I'm gonna make some time to watch that because I know it's going to be good stuff. But like you're saying about you know people—people people think it's weird that that we uh we love the animals that we're really we want to we are good people but and that we it's in our nature to want to hunt these animals i get i think i get more pumped than anybody else on the planet about anything related to deer i mean a, a couple episodes up i just found the monster match set to a buck that i was hunting my buddy found it let me see it and uh yeah i saw that yeah and that i've I've been pumped for a week about that you know i mean so it's just it gets in your blood and it is in your nature to to want to go out there and hunt and experience that that little bit of rush but experience everything that comes up to the story of that rush you know yeah
3: exactly well now you want to be sure that he has a good summer has a lot of food you know gets healthy so he's able to be what he can be. So I mean, that just goes back to you know, we are the the conservationist as a hunter.
4: Yeah, exactly.
3: So
2: so and, you're oh, go ahead, go ahead.
4: Well, all I was just gonna say was it, I mean, it's hard to boil it down to just I mean, you can't boil it down to just one thing like that. That does hunters and that does hunting a disservice to to just say like I'm a meat hunter or I hunt because it's fun or I hunt because like I said like I feel like it's a part of me. It's just hard to articulate that sometimes and to put into words. And so obviously I'm not a, you know, a poet or anything like that by any means, but that's, you know, kind of what hopefully I can kind of do is at least kind of get some people to realize and understand. And I'll do a good job talking about it on the podcast of what it really means, you know, so.
2: Yeah, I, I like when we were talking earlier. I like how you said that you told us that you're a you know a roofing contractor and that that you know you can connect with someone by saying, hey man, I'm just a normal guy. Yeah. And uh, trying to do the same thing that you guys are doing, you know, and like you know, you're a working class guy just like us. So. But when you uh, sure. when you're in uh, you're West Texas, right?
4: Uh yes. Uh, well, we have a lease in West Texas. We hunt North Texas, but all the videos that I put up so far have been out
2: out West Texas. So So, so when is a typical rut in West Texas?
4: So, typical rut is going to be I mean, peak is going to be like Thanksgiving time. And you know, they'll start free rutting anywhere from the first week of November. But yeah, I mean that's probably peak time. Those bucks are really running hard, you know, we'll see deer miles away from their you know where we say their home i guess their home range or where we get most pictures of them you know they'll be they they travel a lot of ground and day which
3: i find that i find that kind of crazy because you know in alabama or georgia or somewhere uh you know the the rut will be almost december or like you know new year's i was really super late And I just find out how you guys are positioned on the the map with them, how much earlier yours is. But then I've also heard in, like, Mississippi or even Alabama, like, you go different county to county, the peak red will be two to three weeks different, just, you know, 20, 25, 30, 50 miles away.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy how you can go from state to state on to Texas, you know, late season start north and just work your way down um but you know it's yeah i mean i couldn't tell you (laughs) everywhere's rut because i haven't hunted everywhere but it's pretty crazy that you know the differences from state to state and even county to
2: county like you're saying i mean
3: yeah, I'm just going it's off. Wild. I'm just going off what the big dogs
2: are saying.
4: What the professionals are saying. Yeah, yeah, we never
2: hunted down there in the South, though. So that's why we, we want to come on. And the last time we talked to, and something that I kind of want to hit on in this episode that's not in our notes is the 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 baiting side of it. I, you 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 made a comment about it. You know how some people might think it's not right or whatever, but I think if it's legal to do in your state and you can kill deer doing it, to do it. So I think you should just go that's something that's real interesting for me because it's something that we're not allowed to do and uh Uh just kind of go into that for us kind of you know how how do you guys do that like how's your setup and
4: so how we do it um and we we pretty much boat hunt, so we have it set up about 30 yards from where we want to set our blind up and what we'll do is we'll just put up basically a corn feeder And uh, we'll set a morning time and an evening time, and we'll start feeding, you know, a month or two before season starts. Like, not not a lot, just enough that the deer know that there's going to be corn around. And, uh, you know, there's a morning time and afternoon time. And if you look at some of my videos, you can see that we actually have feeder pins that go around. And those are to keep cows out of, it's on a ranch, and so our lease is on a ranch, and we want to keep those cows out. They'll come up, and they'll eat our corn, and they'll bump the feeders, so you got to have those cow panels. Same as the hogs. The hogs will come in, they'll root up the area, eat the corn, mess with the feeders. But uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, we, we just, we feed corn, and out there, man, this rain is really coming down, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, I hope as long as the audio is good. Then, uh, anyways, we'll start feeding feeding corn, like I said, about a month before. And, you know, out there, it's so open. And there's not really a whole, whole lot of food source. Like, I mean, they eat mesquite leaves and, like, some, some light brows, like if some ryegrass or something might come in. And so there's no... You know, there's no good travel corridors from bedding to food like you like y'all are hunting probably mostly. Or yeah. Like, you know, you'll see in Kansas like you're hunting, you're hunting travel corridors or you know, on the edge of bedding areas where deer are going to be moving towards food, and they're going to be going, you know, to eat or coming back from eating. Well, we do the same thing. We just provide the food in the form of corn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get you there. I mean. So, I mean, I, like I said, I'm all for it if it's legal in your area, but it's just interesting to me because the way your guys' terrain and area is set up is so much different than ours that it it just blows my mind that, I mean, but you're, if it's legal and that's how you guys figured out how to kill deer, then do it, man, because you guys are obviously super successful by your videos, you know, so.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong, like, I love hunting, uh, just travel corridors um you know i don't have we don't have any footage um but not a a couple miles from where i grew up me and my dad both have put down some really big deer on just travel and just creek beds where they where they're you know cruising for does no corn nothing and uh it's just my gosh i'm sorry i can't even see right now
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's let's mention this this guy is so badass that he's just called in in a if you're hearing some audio, it sounds pretty good on our end besides a couple of parts, but, I mean, he's calling in in a thunderstorm, so.
3: <laughs> I think it's worse than a thunderstorm. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's
2: pretty, it sounds like, I can't really hear the rain, but you cut out a couple times, but we just want to let the listeners know that this guy's making it happen for <laughs> us, you know, and uh, and we appreciate that because, but.
4: Well, I appreciate it. If you want to know what Texas weather is like, it's pouring down rain and the sun's shining through a <laughs> cloud right now. So. <laughs> I'm
3: going to be honest with you. I absolutely hate Texas. Yeah. <laughs> the only way Texas could get back in my good gracious is if I go down there, and probably kill about six hogs. <laughs> well,
2: We've, there's plenty of hogs down here. We both worked in Texas quite a bit. and uh, Brutal. It's brutal. It's too hot down there, man. Oh, you all used... worked summer down here?
3: No. welding
2: down here in the summer? Yeah.
3: I did I did a lot uh, of, of uh, steel cutting down there yeah. like oh. May. It was bad. Yeah, Um,
4: well, it's uh, the heat's brutal. I I mean, I can't argue with you.
3: Getting back to the winters are
4: nice and mild. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine.
3: (laughs) Uh, Getting back to uh, you know baiting you know even yeah. in here in Illinois we can't even put out a mineral site. Do you guys have any mineral down there because that's one thing I wish we could do is get a good mineral site and you know you know put a camera over it and be able to you know actually see. I think we'd get a better inventory if we were able to do that. So just go into if you guys have you know even thought about or if it's legal or just anything about mineral down there.
4: Um, as far as I know it's legal. Um, we actually me and my dad talked about it. Doing one this coming year, uh, probably, crap a couple weeks ago. um, Doing like a, we we had a guy talk about basically uh, turning that mineral into liquid and then just pouring it in like the dirt, and then having the deer basically just they'll just eat that dirt almost. Right. Yeah, that's what find it from the smell.
2: Yeah, that's what they do down in Missouri where I'm from. Where it's it's used to be legal to put them out, but now some counties are eliminating. But yeah, we just. Port, port right on the ground, and that's, you know, that's the mineral station, you know. I mean, a lot of people yeah. use trophy rocks or stuff. or But, I mean, people here in Illinois, I mean, they, they must not know the laws. I was just at the, the sporting goods store the other day, and some guy was buying some deer cane. <laughs> so... <laughs> so. They just either. Well, I guess don't. If
4: they're selling it in the store, they're thinking, "Oh, that's probably legal." The dude's selling
2: it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Or even like you but, know
3: now, now the time of year where up here we're you know trying to get sheds, you know having a a chicken fenced in corn pile, you know I mean you can't even do that to where you knock off a shed or two. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, it's kind of it's weird to me because it's always been a thing like the way I grew up hunting and what was just the way my dad was taught how to hunt was, you know, sitting in a deer blind on a corn feeder with a gun, you know, about 100 yards away and hoping that, you know, that deer, the deer comes in. And that's how we grew up. You know, I didn't start bow hunting until probably freshman or sophomore in high school. And once I got that taste, you know, it it was game over. But I haven't, I haven't wanted to shoot a deer. I haven't shot a buck with a rifle since then. Um, Just don't. You know, I just didn't have a, I don't have a desire to, yeah, but I went, going back, go ahead, everybody yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I was <laughs> <Everybody laughs> going <ahead. laughs> well, to say, going back to like the mineral thing, um, we do feed protein in, in the off season. Um, it's actually a lease requirement that we agreed to when we got on the, got on the property. Nice. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of something that I guess, you know, there's minerals in the protein uh so they get they get that from the protein
3: um is that like a food plot or how do you guys get in the protein or it just like in your corn piles
4: yeah well i mean it's just like a bag uh it's like pellets kind of protein pellets uh i guess i don't know what the actual name is of it i'd have to look but yeah we sound
2: sound like a bunch of uneducated (laughs) right (laughs) but we honestly we that's the stuff we don't know and and partial reason we made this podcast was to learn from people from other states, just to see. Oh, yeah. to see how they Hold hunt. On, it, I
4: mean, I'm still I'm still learning stuff, but uh, yeah, we have to switch out uh, corn feeders for protein feeders because the protein has to be free uh, free falling. I guess I don't know what the right the word, word is, but uh, it's. It's like you know like a dog As soon as stupid. You know like the old dog or cat bowls where they fill it up and they eat it and it comes out as it goes?
2: Yeah. Okay.
4: That's basically what we're doing, except it's on like a five hundred gallon thing of protein.
2: Hell yeah, you guys are growing some big here <laughs> down right. there, man. Man, we're trying, yeah, let me tell you. You're trying. I'll tell you what. Well you know what? One thing I will say is, you know, some people, you know, that don't understand baiting or don't, you know, it aren't from that area you guys are putting a lot of work in to go fill those feeders over and over and over, you know, and you're putting a ton of n- nutrients in those deer. So you're helping that deer herd out. You're helping the fawn growth. You're helping, you know, the does produce milk with all that protein and, and them not having stress to find food because, like, here, I mean, they, they eat corn all the time. I mean, it's like the main diet, corn and beans, but down there, I mean, mesquite leaves it's like the deer's already smoked when you <laughs> when you shoot it <laughs> so yeah.
4: yeah yeah no i mean we're that's the way we look at it too i mean we're, we're feeding all these deer and that we're potentially only going to take out you know a few from the herd and that's only like i said potentially if we get you know the right deer and everything works out but um yeah i mean i i've never had a problem with it looked at it as a problem i know some people probably think it's like sacrilege to hunt bait uh but you know in texas that's how we've always done it and it's in in the west texas especially it's really i mean you could go out there and see deer but it's hard to pull deer in when they have so much free space to roam and there's no real patterns that they're going to follow you know
2: yeah, there's no pinch points out there. There's no nothing. And that's kind of going into my next question. You know, it blows me away. There's really like nowhere you guys can hang a stand down there, right? Uh, no, I mean,
4: like there's an occasional cactus, big, like oak tree or something. <laughs> cactus. God. <laughs> uh, there's an occasional tree that you could hang like a hang on or like a lean to, but it's not in a good you know, it's not in a good location, you know, to be where you want to be. So we, we've majority, uh, the majority of the time we hunt out of uh, ground blinds and we have a couple tripod setups, but those are hard to get how we like them. So mostly we hunt out of ground blinds.
2: Do, uh, does the deer down there, do you put your ground blinds up, you know, weeks before season or do, can you, you know, put them up within a week and then they're pretty much used to them?
4: I mean, we, So, that's a a really good question, actually. So, we usually go down and try to set them up several weeks before we're going to be there. Uh, When we brush them in, if you watch any of the videos, uh, I do like just a quick time lapse of us brushing in a couple blinds. But we want them to be used to it um, because even though it's brushed in and we kind of make it look like a big mesquite tree or a big uh, cedar tree, it's still different so we want them to be used to it but they're pretty lenient um too as far as a new blind being there like they will check it out like we uh I haven't put it out yet the deer i shot this year um we put that blind out the day before and you know we got him and you know got a shot on him and it all worked out but that, he was definitely jumping, you
2: know. <laughs> yeah, that's cool because, like, the deer up here, I mean, just in my experience, if you put a ground blind out, they ain't going anywhere near that thing for a couple weeks. They kind of get get used to it. Even if you brush it in, you know, they just yeah. notice it, you know. But I didn't know how the deer down there in Texas, you know, if they're little, you know, a lot of people hunt with ground blinds, so they see them more often, you know. So.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think part of it, too, is, is the deer – like i said there's not a whole lot to eat the deer are very competitive when it comes to that corn um and so a lot of times that's their main focus like you got young bucks trying to get there before the big bucks so they can eat a little bit before they get kicked out
3: (laughs) man that's crazy
4: yeah yeah so i mean it's kind of a battle so i think part of it is like not as weary sometimes of now the mature bucks i'm not going to say that about them because they come in and they hear any little sound, you know, they're on their toes. But you know, the younger bucks, the does, most of the time, they're they're pretty they're pretty lenient with what's going on around them.
2: I think it's so cool that it's a different kind of hunting, and it's something that I think I would like to experience because, like, most of the time, do you so you you might have like 10 15 deer within thirty yards of you, and that's something that we will never have in the Midwest. You know, I mean, you might have. Even if you have a food plot, you might have 10, 15 deer on it, but they're going to be from 150 to 20, you know. So it's cool that you have – and then you're on the ground too. So it's not like you're in a tree like here where you got – I mean, you're eye level with those deer. And that's – I mean, I've I've killed two deer out of a blind in my life, you know. So that's something that I haven't really done a lot of. And it's because there's just so many big oak trees to put a stand in, you know. But that's something that you guys have to work around. So it's cool that you guys are still able to get it done. When in my mind, if I went down there, I'd be like trying to pick a mesquite tree. I'd be like, I'll probably get up about eight foot in that thing right there. I would say there's
3: no way that Cody and I are going to go down south and see a really nice tree and pass up the opportunity to put a stand in it.
0: (laughs) It's
2: just what I like to do. I'd be like, oh, I'm sitting here yeah the locals would be like this dude's got a tree stand what is he doing <laughs>
4: well that's what's one of the cool thing about texas is uh you know and we have it's completely different hunting if you go if you drive five hours east or five hours west you know you got just two i mean there's almost three different you know if you're out in east texas you're gonna have a bunch of tall pine trees uh, you know the the ground's probably gonna be covered in pine needles And then if you're way out west Texas, obviously, you're going to have the mesquite trees, the cedar trees, uh, you know, barely any trees over, like, five feet tall. (laughs) And then you come, like, north middle Texas, you're going to have lots of hardwoods, you know, big oak trees. Like, if you'll, uh, I think it's on my Facebook, but I have a picture of me sitting in an oak tree, and that's north Texas, you know. And it's pretty it's just, rare it's,
2: thing for you to do huh right it's, it's cool yeah man. it's just i mean it's crazy
4: that there's just so much space and i mean it's kind of like kansas where you can go out and hunt the middle of a field or hunt you know big oak trees or whatever everywhere has the same dynamic but yeah i mean it's it just kind of you guys kind of adapt to wherever you're going to be hunting the, <laughs> at the time
3: Yeah, around here, if you go five miles east or west or even north, you're pretty much going to hunt the same way. So you got a pretty good dynamic down there.
2: Yeah, I mean, we could go state to state, It it bordering us, and you're going to hunt the same way. So it's cool that you have all that diversity in the same state. So where you could, I mean, I bet you the deer even act different in different areas because the structure of their environment's different. So. Oh
4: yeah, it's. I mean, the deer are different. The like the size difference, and that was a struggle we had. Cause we hunted just North Texas for a couple of years and we went out to West Texas and the deer are just smaller body. And so it, it took us basically a whole year in 2016 to kind of get a feel for the age of those deer compared to these deer that we have. Cause we have a really good natural browse uh, in the North Texas area. Um, and if you want to look up Grayson County, the deer that I've been killing in Grayson County, you'll get a better idea of where I'm hunting. But yeah, in West Texas, I mean, a deer that looks three and a half might be four or five out, out in West Texas, but here he looks like he'd be a three and a half year old. So that was a struggle we had, just you know, driving five hours west.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy to me, man. That that's so cool though because. That's like one of my questions, you know, age and deer and how much of a struggle it is down there. And you have to do that not only in your state, but in, you know, just a few hours of where you're hunting, you know. And there's a, I bet you there's a huge learning curve to trying to figure out, you know, you can look at racks, but that, that, I want to get into this next question because me and homie, we watched this video and it is my favorite video that you've put out. And I'm going to let homie answer it because we, we had the podcast before, but I'm actually glad that, it, it we we messed up because the story of this buck I think I want to get it out there because it was such an awesome story so hit him with the question only so
3: I want to go into obviously you guys are trying to manage your lease and I mean i I think that's super awesome and I know you mentioned in your video quite a few times about how hard it was to not be able to shoot that deer because he was not five and a half so I just want you to go into really how hard it was because i mean i was i was wanting you to shoot it all day but i want you to go into how hard it actually was sitting behind the bow
4: man um so just a little the backstory which i talked about in the video but that was the morning that my cousin's two kids took their those does and that's my first video that i put out that deer just strolls in like 30 minutes after we're just chilling you know we're letting it all die down and he just comes in and hops in the feeder pen. Never seen him before. Didn't have any game cam pics. And I'm like, my gosh, that deer is gorgeous. <laughs> and, like, we're sitting in the blind, and I'm trying to get a good picture of him. And we're in a gun blind. Uh, and my cousin's Jordan, he's over there talking like, I'm trying to justify my mind why I'm not shooting this deer right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, And, I mean, so, I'm thinking, you know, from far off, I see a big, thick neck. I'm thinking, man, that's a shooter buck. And if he's going to be on any kind of schedule, we have a chance. So, we go back, you know, I show my dad. We were looking at him. And, like I said, this is the first year that we were on the place. The rules are kind of of weird. We're trying to understand them, Um, you know, uh, if a deer is a 10 point, he's supposed to be five and a half at the youngest, and he's supposed to score like 130 plus. So, and this is like I said, first year, we're trying to be very lenient to the rules. Not lenient, but very uh, strict on the rules and make sure that we're, you know, doing what we're supposed to do and what the man, the guy, uh, the biologist wants us to do. And uh, so we go in, we set that ground line up. And I mean, everything just works out perfectly. This deer comes in. I see him coming from the left. Um, I had plenty of time to get ready. And right as he steps out, we're, we're looking, and Dad's like, "I don't think he's. I don't think he's there."
2: <laughs> like Man, uh, that had to be tough. I mean,
4: yeah, and you know I got my release on.
2: I'm ready to go. Man. That that deer up here, <laughs> I probably would have shot. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I'd have been on it all yeah, day. Yeah, I mean we don't get that like real, you guys got like the most darkest, prettiest horn color. I think. Oh yeah. There. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I uh, mean
4: that that's probably the most beautiful deer I've ever seen out there. Just in a, overall, you know, like just perfectly symmetrical had that just gorgeous line down the back of his neck
2: yeah that um, black line yeah yeah Yeah,
4: i mean he was just and he hadn't he hadn't been rutting yet so he's still off full he he didn't lose anything and that's kind of where we were like uh where you know where is he and later on dad's like i probably should have just let you shoot <laughs> oh, man, oh man that's <laughs> tough dude. Yeah. And i was like don't tell me that and right. then like you know, the sad thing was, a couple, two or three weeks later, uh, we stopped getting pictures of him, and I, since then, you know, no one's, we haven't seen him, haven't got any pictures, so you know, I, I have no, no idea what happened to him. If he got shot, you know, went on someone else's place, and they weren't worried about, <laughs> they weren't worried about shooting him.
3: Yeah, we got uh, we got plenty of worrying like that up here.
4: Yeah, so you know, I, I really don't know. I got one of the guys commented on my YouTube videos. Man, that was really pretty. I hope you get a shot at him. And I was like, years ago, but <laughs> he might still. And the guy was the guy told me he had a I can't remember his name or out. He probably I don't know if he listens to shots podcast, but
3: probably not. Uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> he, he said he had a deer. Um, he went missing for like four years and showed back up. So I was like, you know, I mean, you know, there's, you never know.
3: We're getting to Mark Drury status here. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, who knows? But
2: well, I hope anyway, he shows back it up, man. You, you you made a, I mean, a tough decision there, but, but I can ahead. understand that you uh, you're trying to respect your, you know, your lease agreements. And I got the same thing up here. You know, I kind of, I got certain things I can and can't do, and. Uh, you gotta respect that because I mean that's the bad thing about hunting, is if you don't go to state ground and you lease something, people are worried about getting sued or they're worried about something like that or they're worried about you know you got a biologist coming in. So that's another question we want to ask here soon. Cause that's that's very fascinating to me, but but you have stuff that you have to abide by, and you guys took the high road and abide by it. So there's, it it's terrible that but but how many bucks can you shoot down there in Texas? So,
4: um, it's county to county.
2: Really? Um,
4: and well, it's, so like, that's the two buck county, and then there's one buck counties. So, like, per our agreement, we are able to shoot one coal deer and one management deer. I mean, one management and then one trophy in that, um, that county. And then I could come back to Grayson, and I could shoot another buck, um, but we have three three buck tags but it all depends on you know that's dependent of where you're actually
2: hunting I see cuz see here we got two and then I knew you shot that killer 8 pointer was that that's that the same year
4: Yeah that was the, the end of that year um and I shot a small 8 point that same year um as my management buck and I called the 8 I called the 8 my trophy even though per rules I think it probably would have been under the management buck but you
2: know i mean was—he was a trophy to me so <laughs> oh it's beautiful deer i mean i thought it was a killer deer but oh
4: yeah i mean it's the kind of deer we want to take so
2: i just like the i like how dark your horns are and how dark the deer like the hides and everything are down there up here they get dark during the winter and then they get real red in the summer but they don't get we don't get that chocolate like you guys get which is super cool uh... to me
4: yeah, I like
2: the good, the dark chocolate horns. But, uh... Beautiful. But the... That's... that's You don't have to go into super detail, because I'm sure it could be a whole podcast, but I don't know if you know much about that biologist. So the leash you have, they had a biologist come out, kind of, and tell, tell them kind of what the herd needed, and then that's what you guys kind of got to bye-bye, or what's best for the herd, or...
4: Uh, yeah, basically. Um, So... The biologist is, like, the, uh, he manages the lease, the leases <laughs> around us, like, all the leases. Like, a, this is a, we're on a huge ranch, and it's, it's split up into several, um, you know, sections of honey. And so they hired him to just be the lease manager. And, you know, he, he's the one that kind of makes the rules as far as what he thinks needs to be gone, what needs to be taken out. So, like. What they'll do is they'll go in every year before the season starts and do like a a spotlight count, and I couldn't tell you how it works. There's some kind of algorithm where they count bucks and does, and they multiply and divide, and they decide how many deer is on that property and how many deer should be on that property to have the healthiest herd, you know?
3: Right, yeah. Uh, I I mean, I would think... I mean, there's a lot going on down in Texas as far as hunting-wise goes. I would think that that would be something that they would do per helicopter, because I know that there's a lot of people shooting hogs out of helicopters and stuff. I would think that the the biologist survey or the deer herd survey would be something that they do per
4: helicopter. Yeah, I'm not sure. They actually might. I, I really—I mean, he's talked to us about it, but I don't even remember— uh... If, if he said, per, if he actually said it, it was a helicopter or they just like drive around in a ATV or something, I don't know. But I mean, yeah, I don't know enough about it to, you know, I don't want to sit here and lie to you about it. Right. Uh, but he, he basically just decides that, you know, you need to take this many does and you need to take, you know, these are the bucks that you need to take and the ages and all that stuff. And, you know, he really respects my dad as well and so they've had several conversations based on what my dad saw actually hunting and what we saw and then kind of changed some stuff because you know we're actually out there in the field every you know every day
3: right i mean i know watching
4: and and seeing
3: yeah i know here in illinois like when you get a harvest they ask you like we'll say you get a a deer harvest whether it be gun or bow you know, they ask you how many turkeys did you see? How many bobcats did you see? And how many, uh, now, like the last three years, they start asking you how many wild hogs did you see? And, uh, you know, it, it's really, I mean, it's good that they're asking that because, just like you said, you know, we're the, actually the ones out there in the field. I mean, if you, as much as Cody and I, I mean, you're seeing a lot. But, mm-hmm. um,. I think you know something that they' that I've seen on TV that they're doing that are in Texas is like the you know the helicopter scope of a property. I mean they're gonna see a lot more,
4: obviously yeah, and especially like in West Texas, I mean you could see like there's some really thick areas, but I would say overall uh it's it's pretty open, and so you probably get a better idea of how many deer is actually out there where you know where most of those deer are going to be bedded up out, out in Illinois, you know. Unless they're in the middle of a freshly cut corn field or bean field, helicopter probably ain't gonna be able to see them. You yeah, yeah, ain't gonna yeah. see them. Or
3: I would say early, early, late October. I mean, even in mid mid November is gonna be tough. But they
2: do uh, they do a spotlighting here at night. The the game wardens. That's how they uh they they spotlight the fields around areas, and that's how they get a number of the deer herd and kind of what the age structure yeah. is in a certain area and stuff. But it's a, it's a lot different than down there, but I mean that's the best way to do it because those deer are out in the field at night, and a, a big deer just bed down right in the middle of a field at night. It don't you know in a waterway or something, and you can spotlight them and get a good idea of what you got. But we're uh yeah we want I want to talk. I know we talked about the last episode, but I really like the video of your eight point kill. So let's go sure. kind of go into some details on that. So we got some we got some listeners from Texas, so kind of give them the layout of when you know the the day the temp and the background story if you can remember of when that deer came in all right the
4: date was november um like i said that's right around peak rut so they're moving Um,
2: we we lost you for one second what was the date again november 22nd november 22nd okay we got you back yeah
4: which is right around, you know, peak rut for our for our area. And the day before, well, let me back up a little bit real fast. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, hadn't seen a whole lot of mature deer on camera for, you know, from 1st of October to early November. And, you know, that's one of the cool things about the rut is, you know, random deer start showing up and this deer kept showed up on camera and you know right off the bat when we the first picture i saw and you know if you watch the video you can see just how fat and thick this deer looks we knew you know that was that's a mature you know probably five to six maybe um you know probably more on the six side anyways we go in there um november 21st uh in the setup that we have and the deer starts to come in and busts us and I don't know you know I don't know what happened the wind was in our favor we weren't making any noise I mean it was just like boom gone and it's like well what no what just happened so obviously you know I'm kind of down <laughs> me and dad go we talk it over and decide that probably just roll the dice and go back in there the next morning you know it's gonna be the weather's right i think the next morning was like mid 40s not real cold but cool enough that the deer are gonna be moving
3: man i figured you'd say mid 40s and you'd be freezing down there
4: <laughs> no 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 no. we get uh we get down up down in the teens so you know i got i like wearing my clothes when i don't have any clothes on but <laughs> uh anyways um it was one of those beautiful mornings uh that that y'all talk about that you know we talked about last time where just everything comes alive right as the sun starts to peek over the deer start working in uh you know i mean it's game everywhere turkeys are moving you can hear them gobbling and chattering and just, you know, one of those mornings that, man, it is going to be a good, going to be a good day. You have described you know? what I call bluebird
3: day better than I ever have on this podcast. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, just a, just a bluebird day then. I mean, just, you know, gorgeous. And, you know, even one of those, even if a deer doesn't come in, you are just already in such a great mood that you're going to have a great hunt. So anyways. We're sitting there, you know, some deer are eating, feeding, and like I said, it's it's rut, but the area we're in, there's not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of does, but the deer are still, um, you know, they're still kind of jacked up around other bucks. So he comes running in hard, and you know, for, you know, starts eating, but I mean, he comes in hard, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's him right there, and so we're getting, you know, I get set up, and you know, the whole filming thing dad you know we were very new to it so he's trying to get figured out and i'm you know getting my gopro is it on or whatever and so it comes in perfectly you know how we set it up outside the feeder pin i think he was at 23 yards and comes in and i'm i'm starting to get that buck fever my heart starts pounding you know you can just out of your chest almost and you try to try to put it away try to focus on you know making the perfect shot and so I draw back right as I draw back and you can see in the video this near turns and puts his butt just right in my face and you know we're we're 20 yards away I have very limited space in this blind because I'm a big guy my bow is too long and I am like got like an inch above my cam and an inch away from my right elbow against the back of the blind so i can't really release and not make a noise like there's no way so i'm sitting there committed i got a hold and it goes i don't want to lie to you but almost a minute and he finally turns back to the left and gives me just a quarter and away shot and i basically went right off that back left rib and ran it up through And just released it. And it went right, you know, right off that back rib and right through the vitals. Perfect pass through. One of those things, the deer barely knew what happened. He runs 50 yards to the right. We can still see him uh, due to technical difficulties and where the, how the blind set up. We didn't get it on camera, but. We know all about the technical difficulties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. you know, he just kind of does that, that wobble goes down right there and you know it's just you know when you see one go down you don't have to track them
2: yeah that's the best and you know man.
4: you made a you know you made an ethical clean shot quick death it is just one of those things where everything you know everything went like it was supposed to which <laughs> rarely happens but it was
2: awesome i love them cording away shots that's why i shot homeboy it was courting away and if you tuck it up in there right you just have so much more stuff you know if you're broadside you can hit both lungs but if you're cording away you know you're going to hit both lungs if you tuck it behind that back rib and then you can yeah. blow out the heart and all them arteries I, th- I think it's a really good ethical shot if they're courting away and you know that you're comfortable making that shot so but i really yeah. like that hunt i like the story that you did and you got some good pre-roll of the buck before you shot him then you got the shot on kill which is something me and homie cannot do no nope. <laughs> What? Well, I'm gonna tell you the secret of that. You <laughs> a, a cameraman? Get a, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, get a cameraman. <laughs> yeah. We've asked
3: probably seven, eight people, like, "Hey, how do you do all your film?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, well, I got a cameraman, this and that." And I was like, "That's yeah, that's man. a top secret tip right there. Yeah. Get a cameraman."
2: Yeah, we just, have a
4: there's there's a couple shots from this year that my dad self filmed uh, of him, like a doe and a pig, when I was off somewhere else, and uh, it's it's obviously. <laughs> It's obviously different, and you know, I'll, I'll talk about it whenever I put those videos out, but yeah, I mean, especially in a tree, it's so hard to to get on a you know, if a deer's feeding, you can, it's a little bit easier to self film because you can kind of put it on where he should, as long as you're going to stay in that spot. I mean, in a tree, when they're just cruising, trying to hope that you stop them in this position, that's uh, that's tough, you know, those people that get those self filmed hunts and they get the shot, and then they, like, get the camera, and they actually follow the deer
2: through the woods. Those guys are talented. (laughs) (laughs) Way more than me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's something the last six months I've really gained a lot of respect for, just watching a lot of film, watching a lot of people self-filming, and I'm just like, holy hell, how did you do that? But then again, it just kind of goes back to, like, I think that they're putting getting it on film as a priority as to where I'm trying to get a deer down as top priority. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, these past two years my priority was getting the shot and if we got the footage, awesome. <laughs> but now it may be slowly leaning towards, you know, making sure that we get the footage. Now don't don't get me wrong. If I get a 160 inch deer and you know, dad's not on him and it's my only shot <laughs> or I'm not on him.
2: I'm not, not taking the, sh- the shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can, you, you know, can make I, up the story in between. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah,
4: I'm not there yet. You know, <laughs> if, if the camera's rolling, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, something happened, whatever. But
2: yeah, well, I'll I mean, tell you, I'll I'm, tell you this. I, I'm a big fan of carbon TV and, uh the stuff that you're putting out is better than some of the stuff on carbon TV that, you know, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm not going to name any names, but I, if something new comes up, I watch it just cause I like watching hunting videos. I, I try to film. I never, I don't want to be on carbon TV. That's not something I want to do. I just want to do it for myself, but I like watching it. Cause then I learn, you know, Kind of, well, they got this shot. That's something to think about. I can get, you know, or they got this yeah. different angle. But the stuff that you're putting out is on YouTube, but it's a good enough quality, I think, to be on Carbon TV because the stuff that they're putting on there is lower quality than that. And they're not telling a story. I don't know if it's just me that relates to that, but they're not telling the story of the hunt. They're just showing you the hunt, they're showing you the kill shot, they're showing you you know, the recovery, but they're not, you know, saying this is a buck, you know, that we had on the farm or just like you did that pig video. That was awesome mm-hmm. for me, you know, because I got a story behind it, you know, didn't get a shot at the buck, but you still made the hunt on a pig, and then I got the story, you know, and you you put a message like pigs are a problem because of this. And that was super cool to me. And like I said, I, I'm pumped. You keep saying about all this stuff that you have in storage that you haven't edited yet. I'm pumped to see that stuff because – I've liked everything that you, you have brought out so far. So I know the, the stuff is.
4: That means a lot, man. Uh, I mean, I don't want to just, you know, have a, you know, like you said, I don't want to just another 15 second kill shot video of, you know, me driving in a truck and, you know, BSing with my friends. And then I'm in the tree and I kill a deer and we talk about it. And like, that's cause that's not what happens, you know, like, That's cool, and, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, the friends and the camaraderie, that's all part of it, but there's so much that goes into a hunt and harvesting a deer, especially one that you have history with, and, you know, I want people to to see that, and I want people to understand that it's not, you know, it's not just a cakewalk, and that's kind of what, you know, when we get on those, to get on a tangent about TV and You know, I know it's not easy for those guys, but, man, they make it look easy.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, like, I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, a lot of guys, they're, they're on a, they're at an outfit ranch or, you know. I know they're super knowledgeable about what they do, and they kill deer on their own property. A lot of the guys on TV do that. They kill deer on property that they own, but then they're trying to make a TV show. For 14 episodes or something. And, like, a guy like me and you, we can't do 14 episodes because we can only kill two bucks or three bucks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they have to travel to do that. Not saying that they're less of a hunter, but they make it look easy because mm-hmm. they don't show, like you're showing, they don't show all the time that it was a struggle and it didn't work. They show, you know, they show the money shot. Like, I, you know, like I got. I like to say, they show... They don't show the story; they show the money shot, and that's what people like to see. But I don't. Yeah, I don't like what, to see that. Know. I like to see the struck. You know, if a guy put out a video of a giant buck that he's been hunting for a couple years and he missed, I would. I would like that just as much as, as he, if he shot it. Just tell me yeah. the story. You know, just like yeah, Mid- talk about what happened. Yeah, just like Midwest Whitetail, they put out a video of a two hundred and thirty-three incher where the guy shot low on him, and found him months later, but they tied the story together and made it. <laughs> I know this is going to sound weird for people, but they they made that Buck story. They dedicated his life to this story instead of just a death, just a deadhead, just like the last one we did with Homie. We made a story for that Buck instead of it just being a deadhead. So I connect to that stuff, and that's what you're putting out, and that's why I want to tell people check your YouTube out because the stuff you're doing is for you just to be starting out and to be doing that good. I mean, you're <laughs> you're blowing me and homie yeah. out of the water, blowing, blowing my mind right so, now. I mean, I know I. I well, appreciate it, man. It sounds like we're you know we're we're you know pumping you up, but we're just being straight honest that you're you're putting out good stuff and. I don't want you to stop because of haters. I don't want you to stop because of anything because a couple more years down the road, I mean, it's only going to get better and better. So with that being said, let's get into where we can find you on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook.
4: Okay, so um, YouTube is just going to be In Our Nature Outdoors. Um, and, you know, you'll find my channel. I got four videos up right now, I think. Um, this, you know, in our nature, just how it sounds outdoors. And then you can find me on Facebook at either Ion, I O N Outdoors, or the same in our nature outdoors. And then my Instagram is going to be Bryant Threadgill. And I think I have it connected. I haven't figured out how all that stuff works yet.
2: <laughs> it's complicated, man, dude. We do, we're <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out Twitter right now. Sounds man.
3: like you need a tech guy like we do. <laughs> 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 hey, no lie.
4: I think, I think my Facebook is connected to my Instagram and I think that it's in our nature, but it's also my name, Bryant Threadgill. Um, But if you, if you find me on YouTube, I have those little links at the top right with Instagram and Facebook on them. Nice. So you can click on those. I do have that figured out.
2: That makes it easy. We haven't got that figured out yet.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I did somehow figure that out. Um, It was luck, but. I do have that on there, so I mean yeah, you know, give me a follow i I follow most people back uh even if they don't have interesting stuff
0: <laughs>
2: but hey that's so, that's like we say when we're doing when we're doing this podcast we got to meet you and I met you by you posted a a pic- or a video to that sling outdoors and I really yes. enjoyed it you know, and that's how we made this connection and now I'm gonna text you out of the blue. And Thanksgiving weekend, and be like, dude, have you smoked a buck yet down in the rut? You know what I mean. <laughs> right. So th- that's what we did this podcast for—to for, make connections, to make friends, and and you know, in other states, to where we can learn from them. And then I get pumped if you text me and say you shoot a deer, shot of giant buck, I'm gonna be pumped up here in Illinois, dude. I'm gonna be—you're gonna, gonna be, feel it down there. I'm gonna be fist pumping up here because yeah. I get jacked about that <laughs> stuff. So so that, yeah,
0: man, you know, me too.
4: Yeah, so, I'm excited. Uh just to make, you know, have a connection and, you know, start a friendship over over a podcast and you know, over the phone for you know, who knows what could happen down the road. So
2: Heck yeah. Well we will definitely be looking out for your videos. We'll tag all your stuff with our release of this episode. Um you're gonna be the next week's episode, so you're gonna be coming right up off the banner. So Awesome, man. So oh, I'm pumped. Awesome. So uh we we uh we just want to say one more thing to the listeners. Again, this guy, we we messed up part of the audio, and this guy was nice enough to come on, and he just put out another badass hour-long hour episode of his life for us and for you guys. So if that doesn't say enough about the guy, I don't know what does, you know. So check us well, out. I, <laughs> I,
4: I really appreciate that. Uh, I think, like I said, just I'm glad to be here. I'm glad y'all guys had me on. And just real fast, you know, I said it last time, but... Just, I really respect what you guys are doing, um, just in everything, and every aspect of how y'all are doing it. it. The way y'all, you know, shouting out the military, like that's incredible. Um, just how y'all do that VIP shout out every week, and I know that's a small thing, but I, I don't think y'all realize how that could be, you know, how meaningful that can be to some guys, and so I, you know, that's just really cool to me, and just keep, you know, Keep sending
2: it, man. <laughs> Heck yeah, we're gonna keep sending it. Hey, and that's another thing. If you guys got any military that you want us to shout out, we put our links out on Instagram, Facebook. But uh you can email, hit
3: them with our email, homie. Whitetail underscore legacy at yahoo.
2: You can email us your, you know, give us, you know, what, you know, your name, what you served, and any details you want to give. Uh, we love shouting out our military.
3: Or if you just want to drop their name, we'll do the work for you. Yeah, no we'll problem.
2: Do, we'll do the work for you. Um, me and homie didn't serve, but we got the utmost respect for anybody that did because the reason is we get to have this podcast because of you guys. There's nobody saying, no, you can't, you know, there's no non-freedom of speech, you know, so we can't do this. We can't drink beer and talk about deer hunting and have a good time with a guy from West Texas, you know what I mean? So exactly. thank you for saying that, dude. I mean, you got the utmost respect from us, and we look forward to the, the stuff that you're putting out because we know, it's gonna be way better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
4: don't sell yourself short. Just
2: you know, keep keep grinding. Yeah, we're Everyone, we're having fun with it. Go. And, yeah, we're having fun with it, and we're gonna invest a little money in some better equipment, and just keep keep having. You know, that's why I always say at the end of the episode, have fun because that's what it's about. You know, if you want to film better. to have fun, or you want to film like you, your your message is the same message about our that we did is. A regular guy getting it done year after year, showing that it can be done. You know, on a working class, you don't have to be a celebrity. You don't have to travel to multiple outfitters to kill deer. So, just manage what you definitely. got, and and that's all you can do. Yeah, we dig your message, man. So, we uh, we appreciate you coming on. We're gonna cut it off here, and uh, can't say enough about it. this is the this is a first class. Crystal glass guy right here, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> so, thanks, guys. All right, all right. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, keep hitting that play button.
0: You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky.
1: Wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8 30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.